I would have to say it's not really a scene. It's my favorite shot, or okay. a series of shots, rather. It's right before, it's right after the cop gets killed, and it's right before the telegram girl shows up. And it's when they, and when she, the telegram girl, oh, yeah. rings the doorbell, and they do that sweeping pan of everyone's face. Like, that's just, I don't know, like, something about that is so just fun. Because you don't know where everyone's at. Every, so, you know, someone's getting murdered. A cop just got killed. The motorist was killed. Um, Yvette just got killed. And it does that sweeping series of shots across everyone's face. Everyone looks guilty. Mm-hmm. It's so it's so good. And it's so I dark. Just, like, the filming so even. Because the lights are out, right? So, like, you've got right. shadows cast on everybody's face in specific ways. Especially because of where they're at in the house at the time. Like, they're still spread out looking for... Uh, what are they looking for at this the point? Mur- the murderer. The murderer, which is just so ironic that they're all split up in pairs looking for whoever killed who. And, and mm-hmm. especially with the C ending, uh, because they're all yeah. guilty. They all did it. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey guys, John here. Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Popcorn. The 1980s had so many great comedies. And one of my absolute favorites was 1985's Clue, based on the popular board game. My pal and fellow movie podcaster, Curtis, is my guest this week. We had an absolute blast going over the great cast, funny dialogue, and just how well this mystery movie holds up after all these decades. Remember to follow us at BSP Film Podcast and drop a rating. But let's get right to it. Grab your popcorn and your weapon of choice and follow me into the library or the lounge and let's chat Clue. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. They caught a shark, not the shark. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Wake up. We're tonight's entertainment. This is some serious gourmet. Showtime! I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown. Hey, you? You gotta do something or just stand there and bleed. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Here's Johnny! Alright guys, welcome back. It's John, Blood, Sweat, and Popcorn. Today I have a very special guest. I have my buddy Curtis from his show, and his show is called... Curtis, would you give us the honors? Two Guys and Some Horror. Two Guys and Some Horror. Awesome. Thanks for joining me, man. You're all the way from, uh, coming in all the way from Arizona. Yeah, it's, it's hot over here. (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty humid over here in Maryland. It's about, uh, it's topping out in the 80, high 80s, low 90s right now in late August. But, um, I know it's, I know out west it's not any better. It's probably, probably even worse. So, um, so yeah, tell me real quick, tell me a little bit about your show. I've, I followed you on Twitter, and then uh, you know we linked up, and here we are. But how long have you been uh, doing your show? Yeah, uh, so we're coming up on our one-year anniversary, actually. Uh, September, I think it's like September 15th or something, was the first time we ever posted an episode for our show. And uh, it's my buddy Clark and I. We just work uh, worked together at the time and started talking a lot about horror films. And then we right. decided, why not turn it into a podcast since we talked so much about it already? Yeah, and that's kind of 
kind of the same lane I took. I don't have a, a, a partner in crime per se. I just kind of do this whole thing solo. But um, it was in early 2020. It was, I was in the same boat, man. I was like, I love movies. I love talking about movies. And I had a lot of people who like to talk about movies that they love. So I figured I'd just marry up the two ideas and just decided to, to pull the trigger finally. I've been... Uh, I was actually wanting to do a podcast for about three years, and I kind of just had cold feet, and I was or dragging my feet, really. And so, but I'm kind of glad I got to do this and uh, get this started because I get to have cool guests like you on, and you know, we're gonna make some history, man. Talking about one of my favorite movies. Um, so, are you a huge fan of of Clue? Yeah, like huge, like a real big fan. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta tell you, I've been watching this movie every year at least three four times a year for the last i don't know 25 years i i adore this movie so much there's just so much little nuances and intricacies to it that makes it such a bigger fuller package of a film so uh well we can get started um i want to ask you something uh from the jump about this movie and about clue and uh Seeing as, as you are a big fan of it, how do you feel that Clue has aged as a film? Um, I mean, personally, I don't, I don't think it's aged poorly at all. I think, if anything, it locks in that time, like that era, which is, it's, which is so charming, right? I think that's one of the things most of us love about that film is that 1985 feel. But for age, like, for me, I don't feel like it's really, it doesn't feel old. It just... It feels that it feels like the '80s, but to me, that that's not old. I don't I don't know how any way to describe <laughs> it. No, I hear you. Um, so it's funny is because like it's it was made in the '80s in '85 came out the year I was born, but um, you know it was set in was it 1958 or something or sometime in in New England, and uh, I, I just like how like the um, the themes of the, those times in the '50s you have the cold war and how they use they play on the themes of of the era of america in those in that decade to kind of like thread through the story you know you talk about communism and the cold war and just there's so many little little bits that they keep bringing up that's like it kind of reminds you oh this is a certain time piece our our time period that um so it kind of dates it i feel slightly uh not as far as it dates it as it's irrelevant, but more like it's it's a a time capsule of um, it's a time capsule within a time capsule in a way, because of it is definitely a very eighties movie. It's so eighties, it's so great, um, but I like how it 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 kind of like cements itself in this other time period. So we kind of go back in time twice now when we watch it again. So. Um, <clears throat> I want to ask you, did you know that they're making a remake about this, uh, of this movie? So not, not, uh, no, I, 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 I'm pretty sure I've read a couple of articles about the idea of the remake, but I didn't, I haven't heard that they're pursuing anything. If, if they are, that, that sounds kind of neat. I'm curious where they're going to go with it. Yeah. I actually read up, uh, I'm kind of curious too. Like I'm intrigued. Cause I think sometimes remakes kind of get a bad rap from people, but, um, I think if they're done well and they're done with care, they can be still fun to watch and, and fun to enjoy. But actually, uh, they're in pre-production right now. And so far, 
from what my research has yielded, uh, Ryan Reynolds and Jason Bateman are attached. So uh, no telling what that's going to look like on the on the back end of things. But uh, I don't know. It kind of strikes a very curious uh, uh, idea. Like what what could they do with it? How would they set it now? Because if you like, we were just talking about like the original Clue. This Clue movie we're talking about now was a product of its time of the '80s talking about a, a time period that's long since passed in the 50s and wonder what what kind of uh what kind of stage they would or platform or backdrop they would use so it's it's curious something curious to think about but um anyway so before we uh or we can just roll right into the the actual movie itself um what are some what are some of the themes about this movie that that really draw draw you in why is it so rewatchable for you so personally, there's like a, I don't know, uh, a real personal level, I guess, uh, for why I like this movie so much. My, you know, my family growing up, this was one of my mom's favorite movies. So we watched it whenever it was on USA Network or whatever cable channel was on, we'd always put it on. Um, and I fell in love with the board game Clue from a young age, just playing it with the family on game night. So anytime it was my choice to pick a game, this was the game I always picked. Uh, I developed a very keen sense of figuring out how to tell what people have very quickly in the game. And even to this day, like my wife hates playing Clue with me whenever we have friends (laughs) because I just, I get into people's heads. I ask questions and I listen really well to how other people answer what they show, don't show things like that. So for me, um, I think the biggest theme that, that keeps me coming back to the movie is just the like the enjoyment I get from watching the film um, break down, looking for little cues, especially on a rewatch level, because the endings are so great. Um, you can really watch who's in what room at what point and start to formulate that idea. Well, what you know, what ending is it going to be? Right, and um, you're absolutely right. There's lots of great, great use of, of blocking and staging of of the characters, and I was on a recent rewatch and I was kind of looking at it at, at clue as a bit of a play, right? Because the, and a play we're seeing what we want to see, what we need to see. And we only need to see four or five people in this one room because the other people who are absent at that time may or may not <laughs> be culpable for murder later. And, um, you're absolutely right. Like always little fun, little, little new things you can, discover or maybe rediscover upon rewatch after rewatch. It's one, this is one of those films kind of like a hot fuzz where, excuse me, where every time I go back to it, I feel like I see something I didn't see the first time or any time before. And it's, it's like you said, there's so much attention to detail, so many little things to pick up on. And it makes it really enjoyable to kind of just retread and, and like go back to it again because it has such charming characters, such a, a funny story, and uh, like a suspenseful murder mystery story to it. And it's, you know, even though you know, you or one of the three endings will be what they are. You, you don't always, you know, know how they always get to it until you pick up, I'll say, a clue along the way. In <laughs> fact, in fact, uh, I was uh, watching it recently, and um, I found something else I picked up on, and I'll get to it later. That I was like, oh, that makes more sense why such and such character was doing this at, at this scene. 
And I was like, oh, they, they, and they laid it out right in front of me. I just didn't even notice it the first 20,000 times I've seen the movie. Right. But uh, uh, you feel kind of silly. But what I noticed, what I did pick up a lot, a lot um, last couple of times I watched this movie was like, especially this is a big thing in the 80s, I want to say, was the use of like physical gags. There's lots of physical humor in this movie. Um, I guess you don't really realize until you kind of stand back and maybe count count the beats where like someone's falling over or falling down or running into each other or or whatever it's just there's just so much of it and uh is that something that's like for you as as a film film viewer is that something that kind of enhances the comedy or maybe it's just uh, like a, another layer that's great or is it kind of distracting what do you think i i think it's definitely a, a fun part of comedy um slapstick humor is probably one of my go-tos. Um, Three Stooges for a long time was just something I would watch to learn how to take a cue or to give a cue when it comes to acting. Because in, in high school, um, I don't know about you, but I was hanging out with some of the drama kids sometimes and uh, felt that that was just a group of people I like to hang out with. And a lot of times they they do improv, they they want to you know be a part of a show of some sort. And an easy way to get in with those types of kids is to start pick up, picking up on those cues and, and figuring out how to communicate with them. So um, a lot of times I would, to, to get a, a joke across, it might be more physical. So the, for this movie, for me especially, uh, the, the slapstick or the physical comedy is probably, to me, is top notch. It's, it's definitely a reason why I laugh so hard when I do. Even though I've seen it a hundred times, sometimes oh, yeah. those jokes just hit hard every single time. And you know it's 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 like those little small small you know you don't realize what you're really looking at until you see it but those little small like mannerisms that people do the way they roll their eyes at certain actions that happen like uh, when Wadsworth Tim Curry when he falls out of the freezer the second time and uh, <laughs> Mr. Green catches him and they just drops him he's like, <laughs> if you watch Green's face in that scene he's like. Son of a gun! What are you doing, bro? Like, I'm it's it's so so funny how they kind of feed off of each other. Uh, um, Mr. Green probably has to be one of my favorite characters in this movie for that exact reason: his mannerisms, his acting, his delivery on his lines. Um, the whole the whole movie, he's just knocking it out of the park. And this whole cast is really really good. You have some of the oh. you have two of my favorite actors across many films. You have Tim Curry and you have Christopher Lloyd, who, uh-huh. in my opinion are always stellar in their in their roles but mr green who i believe i can't remember his name off the top of my head but he goes on to be i think the brother in the breaking bad spinoff better call saul if i remember uh, right yeah uh uh, michael mckeon yes michael mckeon um and in the ironic way the way i'm saying this because his character the reason why mr green's character is being blackmailed is because he's a homosexual but like you know if you look at everyone else's how everyone brought their own character to life, how Professor Plum's kind of a creep and and Mrs. White's kind of like aloof and and, and mysterious and Miss Scarlet's kind of over the top. Miss Peacock is also a little over the top. Mr. Green kind of plays it straight. And the whole movie's like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. <laughs> and it's it and it's his subtlety. It's his um not I wouldn't say flat performance, but it's his calm performance that kind of 
ele- both elevates everyone else's outlandishness, but also kind of ties back to like he's the every man that we can all kind of gel with. We're like, this is kind of wacky. This whole this whole house and this whole people are getting killed and there's blackmail. It's all kind of there's weapons and you know it's the whole cast. Like you said, the whole cast is just a, a treat. Um, Madeline Kahn is Mrs. White. She <laughs> she I every time I watch that scene when she's like flames. Uh, on the side of my face, I, I, I lose it. It's, yeah. it's so good. It's great. Um, I got to say, though, I think my favorite performance um, in this whole film is definitely going to be Tim Curry. Um, it's just, I, I think this is my favorite Tim Curry performance, and all my Rocky Horror Picture fan, picture show fans out there are going to probably, I don't know, curse me through the interwebs or whatever. But, you know, and I, I like Tim Curry in a lot of stuff. Um, he's great across the board. It, Rocky Horror, um, you name it. But this one, just I always go to this one. This is like my go-to Tim Curry role because he's so just outlandish, so over the top, and he's I don't know his delivery and his execution of his dialogue is is it, again it leaves me in stitches. So. Sometimes I wonder which role is most like Tim Curry in real life because I've never had the opportunity of meeting him at a con, you know. And right. sometimes I watch different movies like Home Alone 2 or, as you mentioned, obviously he's not like Pennywise the Clown, hopefully. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Rocky Horror, is he that flamboyant sometimes, you know, in real life? Things like that. I just like to look at him because he has done so many different roles. And I'm just curious, like, who is the real Tim Curry? Like, what is he like on a day-to-day basis with his family and friends? I, that's a great question. It's like he's definitely a one-in-a-million kind of a person um so he played a bad guy he played like the demon guy in that tom cruise movie from the 80s uh legend um he was just despicable and then there's this almost forgotten cartoon from the early 90s called mighty max did you ever watch mighty max i did not chance okay yeah it's very obscure but it's two seasons and they kind of just called it quits but he played like the villain in that show and like it was a cartoon but it, you could he's got one of those really recognizable voices so you mm-hmm. just knew it was Tim Curry and even in that show he was just like ah ha ha he's just so you know uh, just out there and uh, loud and uh, obtrusive and uh, he's just so Tim Curry like there's no one else like him and he really just he's like the, the linchpin of this whole film, I feel like without Tim Curry, this film wouldn't as be wouldn't be as memorable and and quotable. So, um, but yeah, so great cast is a uh, is Tim Curry. You're, you're uh, I know you said Christopher Lloyd too. Um, he he kind of plays it straight too in a way as Professor Plum. Christopher Christopher Lloyd, that is, um, does play a bit of a creep because he keeps feeling up the women. Uh, <laughs> Which like, cracks me up. I mean, his he definitely, you know, from the moment he picks up Miss Scarlet in the car to to all the little weird nuances that he does inside of the house, it's always about the women. Whether it's staring at Miss Scarlet's breasts when they're sitting at mm-hmm. dinner or even checking out uh, Mrs. White and Yvette in, in the mm-hmm. parlor. You know, things like that. He just, he really keeps it and drives it home that... He's, you know, he he loves the women. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I think right. it's even more interesting because how that ties in later on to, you know, why he's getting blackmailed and um, how he's getting blackmailed, I guess I should say. But very interesting exactly. character choice. Yeah, it's 
it's weird. Like they they wrote these characters. They so they I forget who wrote the screenplay. Um, Jonathan Lynn, John Landis, maybe one other person, and they had to bring essentially bring these characters to life from nothing other than a name on the on the board game, and they had to like find these this story where they're all being blackmailed and what kind of deviousness are they up to. It's a very adult film relative to like the market I guess the game's for. You know, it's like mm-hmm. kids like kids would watch this film and like what the what's blackmail? What's what's communism? What's a red herring? You know, what's <laughs> adultery? What what is this all about? So and uh, oddly enough, like I had my six year old or she was six when we first watched it. Because I was watching it for the show. And then she turned seven. Not like that age difference really matters. But um, she asked to watch it again about a week ago. Out of the blue. She was just Uh like, hey, daddy, what was that movie again based on the board game? And I was like, it's Clue. She goes, can we watch that again? And I'm like, well, ask your mom because we just watched it like a month ago. I don't know if she's really going to want to. And sure enough, right. my wife was like, nah, go ahead. It's, it's fine with me. So we sit there and we watch it. And her questions, you know, every basically everything you just listed goes right over her head, which is sure. that board games marketing, right? But yeah, yeah. things that she did keep asking about is who who killed her again? Who How did this happen? Like she was so right. enthused in the whodunit aspect of the movie. And I think that's really maybe the core. You know, this movie at its core is trying to figure out who did it, where they did it, and with what weapon, which she had never played the board game she still hasn't played the board game, but she oh, at least really? understands that concept. Yeah, she just we just haven't had a chance to get to it yet. But sure, um, like so I said, she, my wife cool. doesn't want to play. <laughs> oh really? Well, I mean, oh yeah, you said because you're such a like the the the, the suave uh, player. You know, you just I guess take everyone to the cleaners when you do play. But it's a try it's hard kind of, thing. <laughs> <laughs> I know I hate losing too. I totally understand where you're coming from. Uh, but it's kind of fun, like your daughter with really no frame of reference, having not played the game and having not really, you know, knowing the adultier themes of the movie would kind of just really just be invested and intrigued by, like like you said, the whodunit aspect, which it is the core. It's um, actually Wadsworth, uh, right after they find Mr. Body's body the second time in the hallway, he's, he, what is he, he screams like, I'm not shouting, but he's like, that's what we're trying to find out who killed who where and with what which is the exact object objective of the board game and uh it's like such a it's such a fun like way to to like you know even if you haven't or hadn't or had not played the the board game before like it's fun like a whodunit a classic whodunit is just so interesting because you just want to know the suspense is just reeling and reeling and reeling and um did, did you see uh did you see knives out i did I you did i did i you know i that's like the first who done it i've seen in a long time that um i guess you know called back to me like so often like i i bought i bought knives out like i gotta watch this movie again and again because there's, there's just so many things to it i think that's one of the strengths of clue is that it has these little i wouldn't say it has an airtight plot per se there's lots of little uh, things I find wrong with Clue, but you know it, you you don't really worry about those little one-offs that are that aren't really all that uh, tight as far as the plot is concerned because the plot itself is just so drawing and intriguing, and 
But uh, yeah, so so we begin in Clue, and we get all the all the little character people are introduced, and all, we meet all the familiar faces those those who had played the game prior to watching, and uh, we we meet this this motley crew of people uh, of these actors who just like we both already said this drive it home they're so funny like no no one's bad in this film i don't think anyone doesn't carry their weights or doesn't really deliver or doesn't or no one phones it in i think everyone had fun in this movie and it kind of comes across in their performance or performances so but you know when when did you uh when watching this movie maybe the first second third time or even the most recent time what what's like the turning point in the film or the moment where like I really okay I the movie started I I can't be taken away from it now I got to sit and watch it till the end like what's that one I guess area that really just anchors you down to the couch or wherever I think the envelope scene so when they finish dinner and they go to the parlor to have uh brandy or whatever it is and that's yeah. when the whole kind of the whole plot and the whole reason why they're there is unfolded right there in front of you. And even then you think, you know, everything that's going on yet from that moment forward in the film, everything changes. It changes constantly. Characters that are there are no longer there. Um, characters that don't matter become important. And I, right. I think that's where the movie gets really interesting for me. Yeah, I, I would uh, I would agree too. It's like, um, you know, they introduced Mr. Body, and I, I don't know. Like it's I, like one of my I, I would call it a gripe. If I had to like nitpick something, is you, they kind of almost telegraph the real ending by um, his odd Mr. Body's odd performance when he's being told to go into the parlor. He tries to leave. And you're like, why? Why is he running away? And then you kind of forget about it because he hands out the weapons. He kind of gets back in the character, if you will, of Mr. Body. Um. But you know, it's like when he starts handing out the weapons, and it's like, oh, this is real now. And you know, the lead pipe and and the rope. Um. Funny enough, uh, uh, I'm sure you caught this in your many rewatches, but like every. Every gun, or every gun, every weapon the person receives is the one that they use later in the film to kill their prospective pers- person. Um, Don, did you catch that? No, I, I didn't catch that. That's amazing. Oh yeah. So you're talking so about like for this... the for the C ending? Yes. Okay. The, the how it really happened. How yep, it really happened. <laughs> so 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 Mrs. White, she gets the rope. She, of course, she strangles Yvette, and so on and so forth. Oh no, uh, I didn't pick that up. That's amazing. Yeah, Mr. Professor Plum shoots the telegram telegram girl, and yeah, it's it's like oh, that's kind of fun how they did that. It's you know, it um, they have a lot of little cool little things that they put in that film that uh, like like you like we both know that you may not catch it the first time, second, third time, but eventually it just gels. You're like oh man, that's so that's so clever, that's so neat, and uh, yeah, it might take me another fifty times to catch the weapons one. Jeez. <laughs> That's so sneaky. Well, because you're not, I mean, I guess at that point, like from the beginning of the movie to the end, to the final, the real ending, I have forgotten already who touched what weapon. You know what I mean? Like by that point. Oh, sure. 
Um, and now I have my daughter sitting next to me reading the slides. Well, it could have happened that way, but here's how it might have happened. And she loves yeah. she loves being the voice of narrating right there. And oh, it's adorable. <laughs> but um, that's no, cute. that's that's a really good pickup. I'm I'm that'll be a fun fact I'll have to throw at my friends the next time we're all hanging out and I put this on. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I love those little things. Um, and then I, like, but some of the you know the logic of Clue also kind of cracks a little bit again again when you when you rewatch to to look for the cracks they kind of become more apparent um i'm sorry to say that's how i feel about it but like for example when the the cop shows up right so the cop as we come to find out later was on the payroll of mrs uh, miss scarlet in dc so she could run her her prostitution her brothel whatever she was doing and yet they're in new england so this guy in new england is not next to DC. <laughs> like, like DC is south of me, and I'm in Maryland, and we're below the Mason Dixon line. New England is like once you get past almost past New York. So, it's so from DC to New York alone is about four and a half hour uh, driving. Um, so, the cop from DC drove all the way up to wherever they were in New England in his cop car, in his uniform. And, you know, it was kind of like one of those the more you overthink it, the worse it becomes. <laughs> oh, for <laughs> like sure. I was like, ah, but you know, but it's those little things you kind of, like I said earlier, you, you notice them you're like, eh, it's still a fun movie. I'm not going to totally worry about it, but I think there's a little bit of a, of a latitude you have to give a movie like this where it's, it's, it's based on a board game. Like, what are you expecting? Like, what do you, do you want Oscar bait? Like, no, I don't, <laughs> I yeah. want to watch a, a fun movie that it's silly and it's, I can go back to it again because I just enjoy the performances and I enjoy <laughs> You know, I enjoy the story. I also uh, like to look at how many positives there are that can outweigh the cracks, right? So in this case, sure, that's, I mean, that's a really good crack, but I mean, there's just so many fun moments that you could pull out of this movie any which way you want it. Um, you know, you've got Colonel, the, the performance by Colonel Mustard when I can't have another scare, you know, it'll kill me. And then the chandelier falls. Um, right. you know, things like that, those little bits and all the, all, I mean, all the witty, witty banner between the, the characters is just that to me, yes, there are some cracks. Like you said, this isn't shooting for like an Oscar or anything like that, but right. I could let all that slide, especially when I'm just putting on a movie to zone out for a little bit. Oh yeah. I'm just aiming to kick back and turn off the world. I'm not looking for plot holes and no, just entertain me. And let's keep it moving. Uh, <laughs> very, yeah, very true. Um, so, I, actually, I wanted to ask you a question because I wasn't sure. Well, I wasn't sure if this was a goof, or maybe I just missed it. Because um, I don't catch everything. But so the scene. Okay, so when Wadsworth, he locks the cabinet, and then he goes to throw throw the cabinet key out the door. But that's when the motorist arrives, right? And he puts the key in his pocket, but um, so and then he and then the motors comes in and then he locks the locks the front door again. So it's like there's like a key a key got missed somehow, like because someone the the person who stole the cut the cabinet key off of Mr. Body got into the cabinet key, but it, but the cat the key to the door that had locked Mr. that had uh, Colonel Mustard and Miss Scarlet in. I'm not sure that was the same key that worked the front door too, but they couldn't find that key. So I'm not sure if I'm missing something. Was there two set? Was there were there three keys or were there two keys? 
two keys, but one, I think there was a key placed in his pocket by whoever pickpocketed him. So I think he tries to, the way um, Tim Curry, I'm just going to say Tim Curry because okay. he, he, fair, uh, fair enough. The way, well, and it's so funny because he's either Mr. Body at one moment, right? Or he is um, uh, Wadsworth. Wadsworth. And yeah. in my opinion, it's just Tim Curry. So fair enough. Yeah, it's he, fair. he tried to explain it if uh, someone removed the key to the cabinet, to the cupboard from his pocket and replaced it with another key. But they don't say what kind of key or where that key went to whenever he's explaining it. So I think you're right. There were three keys total. But we still don't know where the cabinet key went. Like at the end of the day, I don't, I don't even know where that went. Yeah, I, I think you know, getting caught up in all the hoopla when they're trying to shoot open the door and unlock the door and lock the other stuff back up, you kind of miss it a little bit, and I kind of, you kind of forget about it in a way because you get, like I said, you get too caught up in the in the action and what's happening. But I wasn't sure if I just missed something completely because I was like, where, where is the other key at? Who took the other key? And what key did he throw away? Because if he could open the front door, how come he can't open the door that they're locked behind? But uh, anyway, I digress. Yeah, I mean, he went to throw the cabinet key, right? That, that was his intention. Yeah. And someone, someone swiped that off of him and, I guess, replaced. And then he throws the, the key. cabinet key later, though. He ends up throwing one, but that's after the hoopla with the motorist yes and then that's where i believe at that time that's where there are now three keys in in the universe that's at that point it's got to be it's got to be a third key and uh i'm I'm gonna drum up some sort of conspiracy conspiracy theory except for except for in the c ending there were only ever two keys because no one ever swapped the key because he had the key and used the key (laughs) that's that's true so but so tricky well, no, no, he couldn't have because because Yvette has still had pulled the gun out of there to shoot open the door, remember? And she dropped it because she because Wadsworth or Tim Curry didn't kill anyone but the telegram girl. So he threw the door key and kept the cabinet key, or <sighs> threw the cabinet key and kept the door key. I mean, yeah, that could yeah. be a goof. It could be a a, a goof. They just maybe yeah. don't know. This is this is just me overthinking things. Yet again, <laughs> so I like let's... it. I like it. Let's not let's not digress too far, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. You're right. Um, <laughs> yeah, let me get, let me get myself back on track. You can't um, make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. Okay, you're right. But look what happened to the cook. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know what's what? One gag that kind of happened and it went away, and you kind of forget about it completely was that dog shit gag in the very beginning. Like the first few guests, like like Yvette smells it, Mrs. White, I think Colonel Mustard, and then no one else does. It kind of gets forgotten about. So a part of me was kind of like, okay, it was funny like for a second, and then they kind of tried to like drag it out, and I guess they felt maybe like in the editing room that it kind of went too far, and they kind of cut it off early. I don't know. I mean, I guess they just wanted to establish that the dogs were there, and... um but also, it brings up a good question. Like, why are the dogs chained up right at the front door? You know, aren't dogs, or aren't pets usually chained in the back? Well, and then, we, and then go ahead. E- even better, like, there's two sets of dogs. Yeah, there's a Doberman's. There's, or yeah. Doberman. In the I'm back, like, I mean, garden, a conservatory window. 
Mm-hmm. That's yeah. I when I so we watched it the last time, and I asked my wife, I was like, "Did you ever notice that the dogs in the front, and then there's also a different set of dogs in the back that aren't chained up?" And she goes, "Yeah, maybe the ones in the front are the meaner ones, and you really turn them loose when you need to, and the ones in the back are just scary enough that you never have to worry about finding them." I guess you're right. I, but also, again, like the dog shit gag, the dogs are also forgotten about, save for the dog at out of the uh, conservatory window when Mr. Body, the fake Mr. Body, tries to break open the glass. Mm-hmm. Like when at the end, like the dogs ever come back again? I don't think they do. I don't. You won't hear them barking, or like because when the, I th- do the motorist and the cop they don't even run past the dogs. Nope. They, and neither does about. the singing telegram. I know. That's like where the dogs go. But uh <laughs> No, that's true. I mean at some point I guess you gotta let the dogs have a nap. And they probably just said, you know what, we don't need them. It's kinda like the poop, the dog poop, where it's like, eh, yeah. you don't need to keep bringing the dogs back in just just to keep reminding everyone they're there, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's it's you know, it's fine enough because I can I forget about the dogs because, like I said, I enjoy the story so much that I have no no qualms with letting those little tiny things go. Um, uh, I want to ask you, um, you know, being a, a huge fan of this film, you know, and uh, we talked about like the I asked you the part of the film where you got to just now plant yourself and kind of commit to the rest of the movie. Is you said that's where the uh, introduced the the envelope in the parlor after the dinner um what is what would you say like your favorite overall part of the movie scene of the movie is it one of the endings or that's a uh... that's a good question so i think i think it would be one of the endings um so i don't know how i don't know if you're ready to break that those cans open yet for for the endings but definitely it'd be the real ending like that is I think my favorite part, uh, you know, just the way he Tim Curry drags them around and breaks mm-hmm. everything down and, and really unfolds what was going on at each specific point. And for me personally, it's the, the C ending is the best one. And it's got such a fun score, that whole little bit. Or yes. How, however it goes. It's <laughs> so, was, like, catchy. That was damn and, close. Like, <laughs> it was good. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. So... I, like in a weird way, like this is um, this is the second episode I've recorded where uh, about a certain film I'm talking about where I don't really go beat for beat, beginning to end of the film, and we talk about as the film goes. You know, I did I did an episode about Parasite, and my guest, um, her and I, we just kind of went all over the place and kind of just talked about our favorite parts and what we liked and the themes and. So like and for so for this episode I'm not really too worried about like oh we don't want to spoil the ending before we get to the ending of the episode. I Okay, good. It, it it's, you know, by all means let let let, let the cans fly. If you want to like divulge into something or something or talk about something that really is important to you. Um and I think that's because like this film is 30, well, 35 years old. It's it's been out for a little bit now. I think um yeah, I think it's most long. People, it's long past spoiler. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know what if you haven't seen this movie yet. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like, go see the movie. <laughs> it's, um, but you know what? It's even even still like if you and I were to go beat for beat on the ending of C, 
or or the B ending with Peacock, you know, it it really wouldn't make a difference to someone who hasn't seen the film because there's so many little parts in like the first and second act that they have to kind of know for any of that any of those endings to kind of really make sense. I feel, you know, just. <clears throat> Even the little subtleties that they throw in script, like the whole bit about what Miss Miss Peacock liked for dinner was the monkey's brains, or, 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 uh, um, you know, the red herring joke about because the whole, the whole thing about like communism was in McCarthyism and all that stuff wasn't really, really about, you know, or wasn't really like the, the theme or the the cause. All the secrets was just people being terrible people. Um, it was just more red herrings. It's more red herrings, like absolutely, and um, and really, like all the all the funniest parts are like well, there's no really one part of the film that's funnier than the other. I feel I feel like every little part of the film has its moment that shines. Um, and uh, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, um, I think what you know, going back to like my, the favorite scene. That I was asking you about, I would have to say it's not really a scene. It's my favorite shot, or okay. a series of shots rather. It's right before, it's right after the cop gets killed, and it's right before the telegram girl shows up. And it's when they, and when she, the telegram girl, oh, yeah. rings the doorbell, and they do that sweeping pan of everyone's face. Like that's just, I don't know, like something about that is so just fun. Because you don't know where everyone's at. Every, so, you know, someone's getting murdered. A cop just got killed. The motorist was killed. Um, Yvette just got killed. And it does that sweeping series of shots across everyone's face. Everyone looks guilty. Mm-hmm. It's so it's so good. And it's so I dark. Just, like the filming so even. Because the lights are out, right? So, like, you've got right. shadows cast on everybody's face in specific ways. Especially because of where they're at in the house at the time. Like, they're still spread out looking for, uh, what are they looking for at this the point? Mur- the murderer. The murderer, which is just so ironic that they're all split up in pairs looking for whoever killed who. And in, mm-hmm. especially with the C ending, uh, because they're all yeah. guilty. They all did it. <laughs> um, and, I, and that's where yeah. I get my favorite quote, too, from the movie. Because Mr. Green uh, absolutely just crushes the ending of the film. And if you don't mind, I would love to read the quote because I think it's a great moment in this film. I well, before you do, I just want to let you know that I that I have a, a follow up to that end scene with Mr. Green um, that I was going to save for later too. But if you're going to talk about the ending now with Mr. Green specifically, by all means, fire away. Yeah. So so the quote that I love is after. Uh, he's called out Mr. Body because Mr. Body has now let us know that he's not Wadsworth. He is, in fact, Mr. Body and that he brought everyone there so that way he could kill everybody and they could, you know, move on with their lives or, you know, cover it up or however he wants to do it. Um, Mr. Green basically shoots Tim Curry and Tim Curry... (laughs) Ooh, great shot. And then dies, right? It's just, it reminds me of the ending or or the the death scene in uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the 90s. With with Paul Rubens? Yes. With uh, Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. Pee Wee Herman, yeah. (laughs) Where he just dies for like five minutes. But it wasn't that long, but it just reminded me of that kind of humor when you die. Um, But then Mr. Green, uh, you know, is talking to the chief who busts Mm -hmm. in and arrests everybody. And he goes, Well, who did it? And he goes, They all did it. But if you want to know who killed Mr. Body, I did. 
in the hall with the revolver. With the revolver. Okay, yes. Chief, take him away. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. I say that so much. My wife hates it because I'm usually telling it to her. And she's just like, I am your wife. Shut up. <laughs> oh, man. That's but great. That's, so, I mean, that sums up, I think, everything in that scene. Um, and Mr. Green, like I said, my favorite character, he just knocks it out of the park once again. Yeah. And so the, what I was going to add to that, this is also like me. I, now that I'm about to say this to you, I feel like I really did a great job of being a nit picking son of a gun for for this movie. Yeah. yeah. So so like you have so you have Wadsworth or Mr. Body really at this point backing away to the front door, right? And he's telling hey well you know, stack the bodies in the cellar, lock it, leave quietly one at a time and forget any this ever happened. And you know, Mr. Green tells I'll tell you why not or whatever he says and he just flat out shoots Wadsworth. Like, this dude's a trained FBI agent, and he doesn't say, freeze, stick him up, you're under arrest, none of them. He just blows the dude away. <laughs> I mean, that's, like, that's a I good mean, point. I mean, you know, I feel like in the heat of the moment, I feel like, you know, because if he, if he had pulled out his weapon and said, freeze, I think at that point, Wadsworth kind of already had the drop on him because his weapon was already out. But even still, like, Mr. Green still had time to pull the gun out and aim it and fire it and hit Wadsworth or Mr. Body. And then, we, of course, we had a great ending ending bit. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's like, um, it's stuff you don't think about in the moment, I feel like. And that's, and that's okay. Like, there's so many parts of this movie that just don't measure up with reality. But this isn't a film that I watch to... to go to reality with it's you know it's an escape it's just this fun it's like a fun little book coming to life or a board game really that comes to life and um it's just so entertaining uh speaking of board games though Ooh. there have been there have <laughs> been a few board game movies um i can't tell you if i found any other board game movie that's been released that one is even good or and two even comes close to clue as far as like level of of fun and entertainment value. So, do you have any uh any ideas in this realm? Uh no. So Jumanji doesn't count in my opinion, but I love the idea of a movie or or if there was a real board game like Jumanji. Um but I can't I mean I can't think of any movie that's been made about a board game other than Clue, to be honest, off the top of my head. So there was... Um, there was Battleship. And there was the Ouija board, or the Ouija mo- movies. Okay. I don't think there's been any other ones. Um, yeah, I would I would agree with you that Jumanji's... No, it's not, it's not a real board game. I mean, I'm sure it is now, but like at the time, it was it was just a, a a board game within a movie, so it doesn't really, you know. But like I read, they were trying to make like a Monopoly movie for like the longest time, and um, oh, like what's that game? Sorry, remember that board game? Sorry, yeah, I love Sorry. Yeah, yeah, they were gonna. I think at one point they were trying to make something come off the ground with with Sorry 
bird. I, I've and, got uh, a seven-year-old. Sorry is definitely a game that pops up in our <laughs> house. <laughs> hey, it's a, it's a classic. I love Sorry. That's a great one. So the only uh, board game to movie I can think of, and it's not a board game either, though, really, but it's Dungeons & Dragons. So that's a role-playing game. It's tabletop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Right? But I think we could give it a pass and say that's probably the next closest film based on a board game other than so Clue. The, I mean, so wait, Battleship. So the, <laughs> I, yeah. That movie was so bad. That was such an awful film. Um my god but uh <laughs> it was so rough but um uh, i didn't know it, dungeons and dragons there's actually a, a movie yes oh really is it yeah. any good uh so <laughs> oh god that's a, such that a-, a tough question <laughs> the, the easy answer is is it good no uh-huh. um if you're a fan of dungeons and dragons you might find it to be amusing um in the sense okay. that it's okay here you have a you have a beautiful grading scale i love your grading scale i wouldn't own this movie but i would stream it okay okay that's fair and it has marlon it... wayne's in it for some comic relief so if you like the wayne's brothers then oh. that's that's worth watching sure yeah they got some good they got some good uh roles out there in their body <laughs> of work for yeah. sure um okay so i think uh so what um I think we could wrap it up here pretty soon, but I kind of want to ask, um, what are some of your favorite, you know, if, if we were to quote Clue, if you were to, like, sell Clue to somebody using only the quotes that you recall from Clue, what are some of the ones, besides the one you already told me from the ending? Because <laughs> it's a good one, but what are some, or, or maybe not from a quote, but what would you, how would you sell it to somebody and be like, hey, I want to watch Clue. Look, dude, you want to watch Clue, and this is why. Okay, so I would lead with the fact that it's Tim freaking Curry, right? Like, that would be my sure. lead for sure. I'd come out swinging hard, and I'd be like, listen, you got to see this movie. It's one of Tim Curry's best films, if not his best performance. Uh, I'd follow it up with the fact that it's it's a great whodunit that I don't think has been matched um, since, you know, 1985. Like you said, that's, what, 35 years ago? Yeah. That's a long time to say no other film has really matched that style and that that storytelling the dialogue in it is even better than i would say knives out although knives out is a lot of fun and has a really great cast as well and is a really good whodunit story mm-hmm. but personally doesn't match the same feel and and originality as clue i would start so i'd start with tim curry hit him with the um whodunit side of it and and you know tell him it's really going to test their knowledge on whether or not they know who did it and then just maybe followed up with some of the some of the wise cracking moments talking about you know colonel mustard with the the chandelier falling or yvette shooting the gun or uh i don't know i i can't really i wouldn't want to give them too much you know you don't want to give them the whole movie uh, right. especially if they've never even seen it but uh but yeah i'd, pr- I'd probably do that that'd be my way i i think one of my favorite memories of watching this film of having seen this film again and again, um, I was watching it. I was, I think I was still in high school, maybe. No, I was out of high school. I was home visiting, sometime in my twenties, and I have a few sisters. And one of my one of my youngest sisters was home, and she was like at that time she was probably fifteen, sixteen. So she was young, pretty blonde girl. She's always running in and out of the house with friends and doing what they do. And I was watching. I was at my mom's house on the couch watching Clue because I'm obsessed with this movie, and 
whatever, you know, when there's never a bad time to watch it, I feel. And she was walking in from the back door, going across the house, across the living room to the front door to do whatever she was doing. And it was at the part of the movie where um, it the cop was killed, right? And it was you see like the shot from behind the cop of the lead pipe clicking on the receiver of the mm-hmm. phone. And then you see like the shot of him like, hello, hello. And like you, you see it being raised behind him and then the doorbell rings and then, you know, um, telegram girl gets shot. So what happened at my house, my mom's house, was my sister walks in. She sees this, the scene. She's like, oh, well, she walks in casually, says, hey, what are you watching? Oh, I'm watching Clue. She's oh, cool. Kind of just like dismissive, like, oh, that's fine. And she kind of tilts up her head, watches that scene. It's like, oh, what's happening? I'm like, oh, he's about to get killed. You know, you never seen Clue? And she didn't respond, so I kind of just ignored her because I thought she had left the room already. And it wasn't until Tim Curry was going through, like, the, I think, murder or, or scenario B, ending B. I turned back around. She was on the chair behind me watching. She hadn't moved. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? Like, oh, this is fun. This, what, I didn't know this was this kind of movie. Da, 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 da. And so I promptly stopped what I was doing, and I restarted it, and we watched it from the beginning. And I think she canceled her plans or whatever she was going to do because she plopped up on the couch right next to me, and we watched the whole movie together right then and there. That was like that's a nice, awesome. sweet moment. Yeah, yeah, I was like, that's that's like the – it was just and it was just that one scene that really just, just like hooked her in. So I think I would echo some of your, your points about – how to sell it to somebody, how to sell this movie. You know, it's, it's, it, I think it's got a lot of great physical comedy, a lot of like, I don't know if I would call it slapstick, you know, but it's, it kind of guess parts of it are when they run into each other on the, on the staircase landing upstairs. And, um, when he drops, drops, they, they, they drop all those bodies. They keep dropping bodies onto the mm-hmm. ground mm-hmm. like, like four or five times. And, um, but I think it's like the funny, it's the funny banter that they had, like you were talking about, like how Tim Curry is a smart aleck to almost everybody. And, you know, it's just, everyone just plays it so well. It, everyone has great chemistry as, as a whole cast. And uh, I don't know. It just has this great, great warm feel to it. It's just, it's like a nice cozy movie to watch. And it's about Char- killing, charming. Kill, is... <laughs> it's about killing people, but it's so comfortable <laughs> yeah know. charming charming is probably the best word i can come up with to describe it in sure. a in a right. you know one word it's charming for it sure. is charming for sure I, w- I would echo that sentiment for sure awesome um well i think we're about you know is there anything else you wanted to uh uncover about clue or you want to go ahead and wrap it up um one last thing my daughter loves to now run around the house and uh anytime the song or the jingle jumps in her head she just sings to me i am the sing- you're singing telegram bam and then i'm supposed to fall over dead so that's uh, great i, I think that. this is a great movie for young kids to get them you know at a younger age into like thrillers or suspenseful movies before thrusting them directly into horror i'm a huge horror fan and um i i just I oh, watch yeah. horror all the time. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, my daughter's only seven. There's no way she's really prepared mentally for true horror films. But I think this is a great way to start getting her towards that and then seeing if it if it grows into something for her later in the future. That, you know, it's a great point you make. You know, this is, it is okay for kids because you know what? It's not 
really all that violent. As in, you don't really see the violence. Like, I think you see you see Wadsworth get shot, and you see the Telegram girl get shot, but you don't really see anyone else really... Like, you don't really see anyone die. I think you... No, you see the rope go around Yvette's neck. But, but you don't see her die. No, you don't see her... And there's really no all, blood. I mean, there's very exactly. little blood. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not... Yeah, it's not gory or, or very... Uh, in your face with the tone of violence it carries. So, um, I, I have a, I have a 10 year old, almost 11 year old, and, uh, I would totally show her this movie. I think she would totally get a kick out of it. So, uh, yeah, but I, I agree with you. The real stuff, like as far as horror, eh, we're kind of early, early for that still. Right. Um, but, uh, I agree totally. I mean, I have a whole stack of films. I can't wait to expose her to when she gets a little bit older. I don't think she's uh, quite prepared as of yet. But yeah, we'll I had to move my entire collection to my closet, put it in a bookcase in the closet, in my master closet, keep it away from her so that way she doesn't see it. I don't need her, oh, no. you know, getting spooked or, or what if I'm not yeah, in yeah. the room and she takes it and puts it in her DVD player in her room or something? You know, I don't I don't need that kind of drama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I respect that. <laughs> I, I get that. Um, awesome. So let's do ratings, man. What uh? What would you, Curtis, rate Clue? So we're going um, off of your scale, right? Yes, sir. Perfect. So the way uh, I would rate it is, for me, this is my opinion, flawless victory, <laughs> a plus four yeah. stars. Everything, own it. I would, yeah. I preach this movie. I just let my friends uh, who had never seen it borrow the DVD, and I. And I, I told them how awesome of a film it was. And anytime I get a chance to, if someone's never heard of this movie, I'm, you know, loaning out my copy and letting them, letting them watch it. That's awesome. I'm going to actually share your rating. It's a flawless victory for me, too. And, you know, even despite all those little nitpicks I gave out earlier in the episode, the fact remains I own this on Blu-ray. I see it every year. And, you'll, and that means more to me, a film that is rewatchable, it's fun. It's quotable. You know, I can talk to a guy in Arizona about this movie because we both have such a deep passion for it. You know, that's just the strength of a good film that doesn't have to be all super box office and super award worthy and all these things. You know, a good film is a good film is a good film, and it, it's different for everybody. So, you know, I I love the flaws in this film because that, that's what makes it flawless. It's just it's his own unique. You know, like I said, it's a time capsule within a time capsule, and it's just a gem of a film. Um, so yeah, Clue rocks. I would, I'm gonna, I might go rewatch it now. Actually, it's just such a fun, fun film. Um, you can watch it on Prime. <laughs> it is. It, it's well, it's uh, it's on Prime right now for free. Um, and uh, I think that's where I watched it last. But I do, I do have the Blu-ray, and it's just, I don't know. Like this is one of those few movies I feel like I have to have. Like I have to have a physical copy of it. Like that's how much Clue means to me. So, um, but yeah, you're right. Right now it is on Prime. So if you are out there listening and you dig, you uh, subscribe to Amazon Prime, then you're in for a treat. You're lucky. Um, well, we're gonna wrap it up here, I think. Uh, so I want to ask you, Curtis, what are what's going on in uh, your world? What do you want to plug? Sure. So I mean, first and foremost. If you love this show and you loved me on uh, <laughs> Blood, Sweat, and Popcorn, 
You can always come check us out over at Two Guys and Some Horror on all of your favorite podcasting networks. So that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. It's Two Guys and Some Horror. Um, also, drop us a follow on Twitter or Instagram if you'd like. It's the number two guys horror pod. Um, and we just launched our YouTube channel. Uh, do you know when this is gonna? This episode is gonna be airing. This will probably come out not this weekend coming up, but probably Labor Day weekend. Labor Day weekend. Got it. Yes, so let's let's see what we got going on for Labor Day weekend. Yeah, so we'll be dropping actually our episode on on the witch on the witch. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, leading up to Labor Day weekend. So um, you can you can check that out. It's a good one. Uh, I personally loved the movie. Um, mm-hmm. It's 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 one of those movies, like you said, it's it's pretty flawless, um, and it is an award winning film. And I don't I don't know, man. Like it was really well, hard to witch. talk bad about it. <laughs> oh yeah, I I watched the movie twice in a row because I was so intrigued by it, and then. I was so caught up in the whole old English like vernacular of their dialogue it was so it was so fun, but I don't, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves and uh, or get ahead of your episode. So what other what other types of horror do you have on your show? We've you done a little gamut or? yeah, pretty much. So I like to pick movies that I've never seen before we do the mm-hmm. episode. Um, for instance, uh, I went on and uh, I had never seen Midsummer when we went and did that episode back in April. Uh, right. it was, it's been, you know, on a list somewhere for a long time. And finally I was like, you know what? Screw it. We just need to watch it. So I put it on the list. We watched that. My buddy Clark picked critters. I had never seen critters as a kid. Um, so I went and watched that and, and now I absolutely love it. Um, but then we nice. also do a lot of your classics. Like we've done jaws, alien, my favorite horror film out there, scream, um, and then even more crappy movies like Yoga Hosers, uh, which I feel is a lovable, fun <laughs> film, but it is not a good horror film, right? So it's the gambit. We do everything. <laughs> sure. That's great, man. And we awesome, love awesome. listener requests. So I know you're talking about coming on the show potentially yes, uh, this October. You got it. Yeah, yes. Sign me up. So I'm, I think we're going to have you on for sure for that episode. So we'll talk more. Um, it's going to be Trick or Treat. For those listening oh yeah oh yeah love that film and you haven't seen that one yet have you i have i've seen it way too many times okay. but it's it's oh. our halloween month so these are movies that oh. uh, we definitely want people to watch around that time oh i think yeah trick-or-treat is definitely the uh has become in the last five ten years like a staple for the halloween watching period of films so good so Heck good yeah so Okay. Hey, Curtis, man. Thanks so much for, for taking the time and, and chat with me all the way from Arizona about uh, about Clue. I great chat. Um, go, guys. Go check out his show. Go give him a, a follow. Subscribe. Do all those good things. You know what to do. Um, again, this is John. You've been listening to Blood, Sweat, and Popcorn. And until next time, take care, guys. Thanks so much. All right, guys. Many thanks to Curtis for stopping by and being a guest on my show he did a great job I'm so happy to have him on after you drop blood sweat and popcorn some love and a rating go check out his show two guys and some horror you will not be disappointed i promise you the next few episodes over here on my show are going to cover a horror subgenre that i'm a huge fan of i think most of you all are as well and this is just my way of gearing up for the halloween season 
So I'll see y'all the next time. Uh, thanks for stopping by, everybody. And as always, take care, guys.